Hi, my name is Ben, and you're listening to a public podcast. If you want more information about anything going on here at Public Church, visit our website at publicchurch.com. Thanks for listening. Uh, personally, I'm singing that song, and I'm choosing this joy, that joy this morning from a place of resilience. And I think many of us in here are singing that your love is so great that not to us, but to your name, be highest praise in the midst of what has to be called a tragedy. See, last week we gathered and we prayed for Dana work and we asked for a miracle. And this week, that miracle didn't come. See, Dana was the wife of our founding lead pastor, Jamie Work, and they retired from ministry here to move overseas to the Middle East and give their lives away to people in the Middle East and point them to Jesus. And Dana and Jamie, they were home for what should have been just a relaxing time to be with family and be refreshed this summer. And at the end of a family vacation, she fell. We still don't know what caused the fall, but she fell and suffered head trauma that ultimately led to her passing on this Wednesday. And so even as we sing that song with resilience, we're singing, but we're also acknowledging that we have some questions. Questions like, why them? I mean, they gave their lives away to point people to Jesus, both here and overseas. Why would a tragedy like this happen to this family? Where we're left with knowing that the wake of this tragedy, in the wake of this just unspeakable event, lies their son, Reed, their daughter, Mary Kate, and her husband, lies Dana's mom, Granky, who is a founding leader in public church, that, that left in the wake of this tragedy, are these people just struggling? And here's what Jamie said on behalf of the family. I just want to read this to you. He said, we do not grieve as those who have no hope because we are confident that all of us will be together for eternity because of what Jesus has done for us through the cross and his free offer of forgiveness through faith. Do you feel the resiliency there? That's why we can sing this morning. But then he's honest. He says, however, we do grieve as a family caught completely by surprise at how a three-day weekend in the beautiful Smoky Mountains could ever end so tragically. Thank you all for your prayers, your love, your generosity, and most of all, your love for my beautiful wife. So we sit in this tension of, God, we, we want to trust you. We're, we're trying to choose to trust you, but we have so many questions, most of which begin with why. And so today, we're actually taking a break from our series. As our team talked about this, we felt the Holy Spirit leading us to step away from our series to answer this question, where is Jesus when life is dark? And based on his life and ministry experience, I think the ideal person to lead us through this discussion as a church is our family's pastor, Colin. And so he's coming up. Let's lean in. Let's, let's bring our questions to Jesus. And I think most of our questions really culminate in this. So let's dive in. Where is Jesus when life is dark? Let's, uh, let's pray first. Jesus, um, I come with some of the same questions. I know you are trustworthy. I know you care. I know you're good. But sometimes life is awful and things happen that are unbearable. I pray that you guide us to hope today that we can understand how we can still hope in you, how we can still trust in you, 
and what we can hope in when things don't go the way we want them to go. In your name I pray, amen. If you guys want to, you can go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians 15. When Todd talked to me, I was scheduled to kind of continue through our series today, and, uh, and he brought up that we, maybe it would be a, an appropriate time to change and to do something off series to deal with this. And um, man, it was exactly the right thing. And I struggled through trying to figure out exactly where to go, what to, to walk through. And I, I landed here, and I'm, I'm just going to confess a difficulty in this one. We're going to walk through a literal entire chapter that's dealing with resurrection. It's a big deal. There's a lot in here. There's some stuff that we're not going to hit particularly. And I don't want you to think it's because we're just trying to skip things that are, that are more difficult. It's not that. I want to focus on the questions that we're bringing here. Okay. So we're going to come through this and we're really going to focus on the areas of where our hope gets to be when things are not the way we would want them to go. So I want to read kind of a first verse just to, to launch this because uh, this is a question I've dealt with. And I'm going to share some stories during this talk um, of where I've had to walk through fear and questions. And when life was very dark for me as well, when I didn't understand what was happening or why it was happening to me or people I loved. And so one of the things that, that this starts with in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, I just want to read this right away. Paul writes, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people to be most pitied. What a powerful verse, okay? Because what he's saying here is if, if Jesus' offer for us, if when he came and he lived his life and he died on the cross, if all of that was only good for the life we live on earth, we are to be pitied above everybody else. And that word pitied can be uh, translated also as, as, uh, as pathetic, how pathetic we would be if our hope was only that life would be a little better or a little more godly while we're here. But then as we died, we still had to deal with everything else. You see, Jesus, if he had not risen from the dead, then he could not offer us resurrection from the dead. Death would still be the end. And so then I just want to go ahead and get to the good stuff. It says in the very next verse, verse 20, but if in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those, but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. You see, Jesus did rise from the dead. Okay, this sets our faith apart from everything else. If you're in here and you've, you've questioned this or you're still working through what faith means to you, I want you to understand what sets this faith Jesus, apart from everything else, he conquers death. So he, he literally came and, and God came to earth in a man in Jesus and he lives here a perfect life and then voluntarily walks forward in torture and death, not because of any wrong he did, but because of our wrong. He does this for you. And then not only does he die for you, he conquers death and is risen from his grave. The victory he gives is not just over sin here, but over the consequence of sin, which is death. You see, by his resurrection, he offers life to humanity. Jesus doesn't offer us a better life. He doesn't offer us an improved life. He offers us life from our spiritual death. I want us to, to, to make sure we really get this. 
Some people go looking for Jesus because they're saying, hey, my life's okay and I want better. I'm good, but I want something more. I've got this and I want more than what I have. And it's a misconception. Because where Jesus finds us is in spiritual death, right? We got to, that Todd was, was talking about this just recently in our series. And it's, it's a very important thing. Because we have no hope on our own. And Jesus comes in, in our death, in our spiritual utter decay and says, I want you. That should, that should make you go crazy, right? <laughs> Jesus says, I want you in your brokenness, in your uh, uh, folly, in all the wrong you've done and all the bad things that have ever happened. I want you. And what he offers is life from death. It says in verse 21, for as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. I want to take a break for a second and explain why I'm going through this part first. There is a hope that we get and there is more than this life, right? Our hope in Christ is not in this life alone or else we would be the most pitiful group ever to find peace in Jesus for a few years on earth only to die and be lost without hope again. There is more hope, but that hope only comes through the story of Jesus. And I think that we would be missing an opportunity if that's not what we explained first. It's how to have this hope. So we're going to walk through this for a minute before we get to some really exciting, encouraging stuff. You see, so this says, I'm going to read this verse again. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. We aren't born with a gift of life that goes beyond death. Since the very first people sinned, what we've inherited from our ancestors is chains of slavery. You see, your parents can't give you this hope in Christ. Your parents might be the most amazing Christian people that you've ever known. They might have followed Jesus for your entire life. They might have done all the right things, but they cannot give you a gift of faith. You can't absorb faith or a hope in Christ by being raised in church. Simply attending since you're a, a little baby does not mean that you have a hope in Christ. Your hope comes from your faith in him, from your choosing to follow him. This has to happen for each and every single person because what we inherit, what we're born with is spiritual death. The consequence of sin is death. And last time I looked, mortality rate among humans is 100%. You see, sin's corrupted all of creation, right? So when sin entered the world through the very first people, it changed everything that God had made that was good, right? We live in a very broken world where tragedy and terrible things happen. This is an indirect result of the fact that we live in a place that is full of sin. I want, I want to take a second because uh, and Peter writes in his second letter, 
That God's not slow to come back as we count slowness, but what he's waiting for is for people to hear about the story that he has given them, right? God is slow so that we can tell others that Jesus changes everything. That we can tell them you're not born into this. You're not born good. You're born into death and you need someone to give you life. You can't deserve it. That's why God hasn't changed things yet. Because if God was going to say, okay, I'm going to save a few and then that's the end, then that means there's no hope for anyone else. So we get to live in a still broken world for the purpose that more people can know Jesus. We live in a world where things like Dana's tragic death. We live here because sin has broken things and we... I don't get to understand why that happens, particularly to the work family right now. I don't get to understand that. What I get to understand is that God is slow in coming back and in making everything right so that more people can know him. And Dana thinks it's worth it. Does that make sense? Dana is right now living in hope that we are waiting for. She is living in this faith that there is more than this earth. And for her right now, it is worth it that God waits because she wants more people to know who Jesus is. Only Jesus offers freedom from this slavery that we're born into. So where is Jesus in the darkest times of our lives? He's holding his hand out to us, offering to take on all of our worst and giving us all of his best. And the worst times of your life, Jesus is reaching out to you. If you don't follow him, he's saying, I want you. If you do follow him, what first John says is that he is our advocate in heaven. So what he's literally doing is, is advocating for us, fighting for us because of how much he cares for us. He's advocating for us in heaven as our, our friend, our savior. And he is encouraging and lavishing love on those that we lost. Let's keep reading. It says in verses 24 through 26, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God, the father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. What's difficult about this verse or these verses is to understand who God's enemies are. You see, we're born onto the wrong team. And I, I, I talked about this for a minute because we talked about what we inherited from our ancestors, right? Right? Since the very first people sinned, we inherited a nature of sin. Nobody in here who has children ever had to teach their kids how to be selfish, right? In fact, I think you could never say the word mine and they'd still pick it up. <laughs> they would certainly learn no. <laughs> we don't have to teach these things. We are born with that inside of us. We are sinful by nature. We've inherited spiritual death. And God hates sin and that puts us as his enemies. That might seem hard because we are victims of sin, but we're also violators who willingly choose it. So yes, you're a victim. You are born without a choice. 
in terms of you are going to be a sinful person. You are going to do wrong things, but you're also going to choose to do it knowing it's wrong. We're victims and violators. And so it can seem unfair, but the fact is, is that even the parts that we don't, uh, that, that make us seem like we're victims, we also have to understand that we're violators. And one very important question is this, how can I not be one of God's enemies and how can I become free from this slavery? And that answer is Jesus. He literally took on these consequences for us. He bore the burden of our sin and God's wrath to offer freedom and new life to us. So you see, we're, we're born into this sin that we inherited to our, from our, our ancestors. We're born as enemies of God. And yes, it is a slavery. Yes, we are victims, but we are slaves and victims. And we're also choosing to violate God's law by our, our own choices. And that puts us on the wrong team. And Jesus comes and he walks into this, the enemy's territory, right? And sees us as these pitiful slaves that are choosing our own slavery. And he says, I will set you free. I will take your chains off and I'm not going to leave you here. You get to come and you're going to be a part of my kingdom. You're not in this kingdom anymore. You're going to be in my family. My father will adopt you. And that adoption does not end with life here. It continues after your death forever. This is a hope in Jesus that is tremendous, that changes everything. So let's skip a little bit and let's talk about what this hope is, okay? We understand that. I want to make sure we understand this. This is utterly clear. This hope is only in this story. Jesus is the only one that offers us hope when times are dark. It has to come through him. So what hope do we get to have? Let's, let's skip ahead to verse 42. It says in verse 42, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. Okay, so this is talking about what this means when we go into heaven, when we go into our new life in Christ, right? When it's completed, because right now we are living inside of the, the salvation of Jesus. If you, have, if you have decided to follow Jesus, you're living in it right now, right? Things have changed. You have found some victory over sin. You're choosing to live life more and more like him. And this is amazing, but man, it is only a shadow of what comes. And so what he's saying is, first of all, when we get on the other side of this, that what is, uh, so, uh, so does resurrection death, what is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. Has anybody in here ever felt the effects of aging? Just, just give me like a hand up. And I, so man, I have, okay. Like I'm not old, but I, my knee, I, I've done something to it recently. And now when I run, I look like a ridiculous, I don't I like, I kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's silly. And my wife makes fun of me because she has no sympathy. <laughs> but man, like, I know I can see things that are different now. I, like <laughs> that change as I'm getting older. Guess what happens on the other side of this? That's gone right? We no longer feel the decay of sin causing our bodies to, 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 to waste away. It's gone and we are given something that's not perishing. It says in verse 43, it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. Does anybody have any, any memories they wish they could forget? I got a lot of those. I've told you some of those stories. 
I've got a lot of things I would love to forget. Some of them are funny. Some of them are not. Some of the things that I've done that are just awful. The choices I've made, the stuff that I've lived in, the stuff I allowed in my life that still come to me sometimes when I'm just struggling, when I'm in a dark place and I just think on all the bad things I've done. Maybe you guys never have nights like that, but I struggle with that sometimes. That, those memories, those thoughts, that dishonor is gone in heaven. Praise Jesus. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Anybody in here ever not been good enough? Yeah, me too. There's, I can't tell you how many teams I didn't make. <laughs> I barely made this one. <laughs> Gone in heaven. Amen? Gone. That not being good enough is gone because suddenly you are existing in the power of Christ and your fleshly weakness is gone. This is hope in Jesus. It says it is sown in a natural body, it is raised in a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. This is our hope that when this body dies, we have a hope that things are better on the other side, that there is healing that is complete and utter and perfect. I have hope for the people that I've lost, that they are good, that they're no longer weak and dishonored and powerless, that they are living in what Jesus died to give them. Let's skip a little bit more. Let's go to verse 50. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. I'm sure many of you guys have prayed brokenhearted prayers, asking for healing for someone you love. So I, I, I've, I've prayed those prayers. I've prayed them many times. There, there's been some people who are the closest to me that I, uh, I've had, that I, I've had to pray those prayers for that I thought I was going to lose. Um, there's been some times that God's answered those prayers that brought healing here. And then, man, I am so thankful for that. There have been times that God's not answered that way. You guys know uh, Whitney and Ashley's story. That's my wife and Todd's wife. They're sisters, if you didn't know that. Um, their father passed away about 10 years ago. And it was the most tragic thing I've ever gone through. Uh, I started dating Ashley in uh, 2003 and I got to know her dad really well. And he, is, he became somebody that was one of the closest mentors in my life, somebody I love. They had the, the Brady Bunch family, right? And there's no dysfunction ever. And I was like, man, what is this? <laughs> and he got really, really sick. And, and his sickness was, was not something that, that we understand as well. I certainly didn't understand it then. But he went into a deep, deep depression. And I had to walk through uh, years of time where there was nothing but prayer saying, God, heal him. And it didn't happen. 
We were in a dark place for a long time. And in fact, I, I can just tell you that grieving doesn't ever really stop, right? Some of you guys, maybe you, you, you need to hear that it's okay to continue grieving. It's okay to, to, to hurt. It's okay to miss. It's okay to have hard times. But here's the hope I get to have. I get to have hope that David, somebody I love dearly, is living in complete healing in heaven. I have hope that I get to see him again. I have hope that my wife gets to hug him again. I get to live in that hope. And it only comes through Jesus. You see, our perishing bodies don't get to have complete healing. Even Lazarus, right? Lazarus, who Jesus raised from the dead, guess what happened to him eventually? He died again. He didn't live forever on earth. He's not here today for us to go and be like, dude, what's it like to not be perishing anymore? He still decayed. He was still in a perishable body that still died. He found his healing the same way that all of us eventually will. Your healing comes on the other side of the consequence of sin. Our healing comes in heaven where it's going to be complete and utter. That's where we find the true and and total healing in Jesus. That's where we find the, the finishing part of this story. And it's only by faith in Christ. It says in verses 54 to 55, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall we come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Jesus is mocking death. He is making fun of it because he robbed it of its power and he robbed it of its sting. This is how the Christian person, this is how a Jesus follower can bear the death of someone they love because of the hope of their complete healing and the hope of being reunited with that person in heaven. This is the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. Sin is the sting of death because death brings us to judgment. If we die without following Jesus, and I wanna make sure we're coming back to this again. So this story is all about what Jesus offers and only Jesus offers. So this, the, the power of death, the sting of death is when we walk forward and we have to, we die and we go and face God and we're facing judgment for our lives. We go with what we naturally inherited, right? Which means I I go with, I inherited from my ancestors a slavery to sin. I was born into that. And I walk forward with being on the wrong team, being an enemy of God, because the wages of sin is death and that death is eternal. And if I go forward without Jesus, that's what I'm standing on is I'm on the wrong team and I've inherited a slave. I I was born into slavery. But Jesus robs the sting of death, robs the power from it because he says, I have set you free. I took those chains and you're not a slave. You're not an enemy. You are a child of God because of my work. He says, but thanks to God who gives the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If we follow Christ, then death brings us to a judgment that has already been ruled in our favor. 
Our victory isn't won in our own efforts, but by Christ's. Is that not amazing? What he's saying is death has been the greatest uh, enemy that we have had since we were born, right? This great fear of loss and Jesus robbed it of power and of sting by saying, you no longer have to fear death because death can be mocked by Jesus because our physical death on earth only completes our healing in Christ. Our physical death on earth only brings us into the presence of God. The death of people we love, we can have hope in Jesus's ability to save them. My hope is, is even in people that, that I don't know exactly where they are. You don't know why? Because Jesus saved a criminal crucified next to him who never lived a godly life. I, ha- I can have a hope even when I don't know all the answers because I can hope in Jesus and his abilities. I want to go ahead and invite the band up. As they're coming up, I wanna, I'm going to keep talking about some of this stuff. So the first thing I want to say is this. If you don't follow Jesus, if you're here and you've come just because you're asking questions, you're trying to figure this out. You're trying to walk through what this means to to be a person of faith or you want to know what purpose is. I want to beg you right now to do nothing else. As soon as I'm going to be finished here in a few minutes, but I just want you to do this. Go to one of the doors. I'm not sure which one they're at, but go and talk to one of the people on our prayer team. Ask questions about who Jesus is because I'm telling you, he changes everything. Jesus and only Jesus offers freedom from slavery to sin. Jesus and only Jesus offers victory in death. Go and speak to somebody about that. I will be uh, uh, back there. Come talk to me. Maybe you're here and you're in a dark time. Maybe you're here and you're in a place where you are worried for somebody who is dying. Maybe you've lost somebody and you're not sure exactly how to deal with that. I just want to remind you of the hope we get to have in Jesus. He offers hope that no one else can, that death is not an end, that death is not something that stops everything. It's actually something that completes our healing process. And the people that you are concerned for can be in the presence of Jesus right now. Maybe you're following Jesus and you're here. Maybe this is something you've never really considered. Maybe you've not had to go through some of the more difficult types of loss or darkness. I want to be, I just want to say, I'm thankful for you that you haven't had to go through that. But there are people who have that need to hear your story. It says actually in verse 58, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. What he's saying is work to tell people this story. Work to let people know that Jesus changes everything. There's not a person that you're gonna meet that's not afraid of the consequence of death. The hope that you can offer everyone in this world is that Jesus has conquered death. The hope that you get to offer is that death can be a completion of healing and a hope that we have of something far more than this. 
And that's the hope we get to hold on to when times are dark, when times are, are awful, is a hope in Jesus that this is not all there is. Jesus, I pray right now you call us to worship because you change things. God, sometimes life is just hard and it doesn't go the way we want it to. It is awful. Sometimes we don't understand why people have to die, especially when we feel like they didn't deserve it. We feel like there's something else that was needed. I pray, God, that you give us hope in you that even though we're going to grieve, even though it's going to be hard to face loss here, we have a hope that goes beyond this world. Give us courage to worship you in that hope. Jesus, if there's anyone in here who doesn't follow you, who doesn't have faith in you, convince them, God, that they were not born into goodness. They were born into death and slavery and that only you can set them free. Give them courage to ask questions. Jesus, for the people in here who know you, I pray you give us the conviction that people need this story. Give us the conviction to share what you've done. In your name I pray.